the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2. Amen. If you've been following with us, you've been attending with us, uh, you know we are in a series. uh, um, And we have been in a series. uh, uh, This is the fifth week now. Five weeks have gone by. This last one in a series of our power on. uh, We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Five weeks uh, have gone by already. And, uh, you know, we spent a little bit of time here to do that, spend a little time to talk about that because, uh, listen, we have to understand that following Christ uh, is more than just rules and religion. Uh, following Christ is more than just do's and don'ts. Uh, so that's the reason I find it important to spend some time on this subject uh, because I want us, all of us, each and every one of us uh, to experience uh, the power that is on offer. I want our lives to be transformed. I want this ministry to be transformed. I want our marriages to blossom. I want our children to grow up in the ways of the Lord. I want to see converts changed and transformed. I want to see bondages broken. I want to see this city impacted and one for Jesus Christ. And all of the things I've just listed is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I've been spending some time and talking about the power of the Holy Spirit for the last couple of weeks now. So we started talking about the purpose of the Holy Spirit, how it is to bring God's power to you personally. God bless you. Thank you, brother. To bring God's power to you personally. We said that Jesus said to the disciples, it is to your advantage that I leave. That's what he said. So that the power of the Holy Spirit can be sent to you. The helper can be sent to you. We looked at the roles of the Holy Spirit, how it needs to be present in our lives, how it needs to bring conviction and bring guidance. We spoke about being Holy Spirit witnesses. How if we're filled with the Spirit, we should witness. We should be a witness for Jesus Christ wherever we are, wherever we go. Last week, we spoke about speaking in tongues being one of the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we want to kind of wrap it up today and look in general about Pentecostal power. We are a Pentecostal church and it's only right that we have a look at Pentecostal power. Using the same scripture we did last week, Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. The Bible says here, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. I want to look firstly with you at wordplay. You see, the Bible is a book of words. Bible is given to us and it is communicated to us or it's God's ideas are communicated to us through words. So it's through specific words that we allow the Holy Spirit to communicate to us. So we're going to have a look at some specific words used at the entrance of the Holy Spirit. So we can understand, we're going to describe the event. So we can understand the event in its entirety. We're going to look at four words used when the Holy Spirit entered the scene. So we can understand exactly what's going on. The first number, the first word is found in Luke 24 and verse number 49. And the Bible says here, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. 
But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's the first word, endued. That's an old English word. I doubt many of you have ever used it in your entire life if you've not read this scripture. Endued is an old word. It means to provide the ability or provide quality. But the Greek behind it is enduo. It literally means to put on or to sink in or to be clothed in. So Jesus is saying, don't leave Jerusalem until you have put on the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a fine word when you understand put on or adorn or be clothed. It shows us the kind of power it's talking about. It's something that needs to engulf us or carry us or literally go over us. When you think about the word, it is used in many other places. Like, for example, the prodigal son. We know the story of the prodigal son where he goes wayward and and says to his father, I want to have my inheritance so I can go and spend it now. He goes and spends it, comes to his senses, the Bible says, realize how stupid he was being, came back home and the, 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 the father was celebrating him. And in Luke 15, number 22, the Bible says, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. And here's the same word, an induo, put it on him. And bring out a ring and put it on his hand and sandals on his feet. We understand the same thing, put it on. When Bible's talking about the life to come, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, in verse 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, for this corruptible, talking about this body we have right now, must the same word, must enduo, put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So you can see it's talking about something that we actually take and put on ourselves and cover ourselves. Another one here, Galatians 3 and 27 says, For as many as you were baptized into Christ have now put on Christ. There's something about being clothed with something that brings a change. It brings an authority. It brings a dominion. Think about uniform. Without uniform, you are unidentifiable. But when you pick up uniform and put that uniform on, you now take on the identity of that uniform, the authority of that uniform. Think of a police officer. Plain clothes, come in here, we'll have no idea. No problem speaking to them anyhow. Hopefully in this church we'll welcome them, amen, with a smile. God bless you, amen. Hopefully we'll show them to a seat and so on. But if they came putting on the uniform that they work in, the bright colours, the vest, the handcuffs at the side. If you're in America, a little 9mm at the side also. A taser as well. How many know we'll treat them slightly different because of what they have put on? Can you understand what I'm saying to you? So there is an understanding when you put something on, you now take on that authority. How many know, you know, looking at them on their own, they could be whatever, don't, their age, but the, when they put something on, they now have the authority of the crown, they have the authority of the police, they have the authority to arrest, they have the authority to command certain things. And that's what the Bible is saying. Jesus said, listen, wait in Jerusalem until you have put something on. Wait until you have come and you have been endued. So the first word we're looking at to understand the entrance of the Holy Spirit is endued. He wants to clothe us. He wants to uh, come upon us. The second one I want to look at uh, is found in Acts chapter 1, verse number 4. The Bible says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be 
baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the second word is baptized. Talking about the entrance of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be baptized into the Holy Spirit. And that word baptismo, we know it means to be dipped or more specifically to be fully immersed, to go all the way in. So dipping, we understand, of washing and cleansing. But to be immersed is to go all the way in, absolutely covered by the Holy Spirit. When you are immersed in something, it is all around you. But the best way they say to learn a language is to be what? immersed inside that so you're trying to learn Spanish the best way to do it is go live in Spain they'll be speaking Spanish all around you and as you are immersed you begin to become that thing so the Bible says you have been baptized with water yes but you will also be baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit and that gives us an understanding of what he has come to do he wants all of us not just a part of us he wants us all to go in, to be fully immersed. The next word I want to look at, third word, is found in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. The Bible says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the worst, so end of the earth. That phrase, to come upon, that means to arrive. So here the Bible is talking about the Holy Spirit is going to arrive. And you know, when arrival happens, things change. When somebody has arrived, somebody of power or influence has arrived, they have the ability to change things. They have the ability to start things, to begin things. Listen, think of yourself at a marriage reception. How many know nobody is celebrating until the bride and groom, what? Arrive. Come on, you have to understand, arrival is a moment in time and when that happens, listen, the situation that you are in completely changes. This Saturday, we're going to have the king's coronation, but nothing much is going to happen until the king actually arrives. So the Bible taught here is talking about the Holy Spirit will arrive and what will happen when he arrives, he will come with power. So he's going to arrive. And the last word I want to look at here, the four, is found in our text we just read. And it says in verse number two in our main text, it says, And suddenly there came a sound of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. That word filled is easy to understand. To make full or to cram or to fill until full. In other words, there is not an area of that house that the Holy Spirit didn't touch. There's an area in that house that the wind did not touch. So here we, by looking at these words, when the Holy Spirit has entered in, we can see that the Holy Spirit is going to have or should have an impact in every area of our life. When we're clothed, we're entirely clothed. When we're baptized, we're fully immersed. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he has arrived to change things. When he is filled, there's not a part of our area that, or our life that should be untouched. So we have to understand when the Holy Spirit comes to move, we need to surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to have complete control. Because some of us can be stubborn. Can you say amen in this place? Some of us can want to have control and say, okay, you can have this part of me, but not this part of me. Listen, I'll speak in tongues a little bit, but you can't control my whole life. The Holy Spirit hasn't 
come to be a, 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 a to be just a roommate. The Holy Spirit has come to be the landlord. The Holy Spirit has come to fill your entire life, and we have to surrender and open ourselves up to the will and purposes of God. Can you say Amen in this place? And that moves me to uh, the command. You see, because sometimes. Uh, when we read scripture, we see things um, that we are commanded to do. And the only reason we are commanded to do them is because we have the ability to do it. Look at Ephesians 5 uh, and verse number 18. Uh, Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus. Here. He says, and do not be drunk with wine. Amen. In which is uh, dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Now, be filled with the Spirit is best understood looking at the Greek present perfect tense. Because the present perfect tense is tense used for past actions that relate to or continue into the present. In other words, it's something that you say, but that is a continuing effect. So looking at the Greek, this will be literally translated as be being filled with the Spirit. Now, in English, that don't make no sense. So that's why we say how we, how we said it, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Greek is what it is. It's saying be being filled, continue to be filled with the Spirit. It is something that we must continue to endeavor to be filled as Christians. It is not just to be a one-time thing. Listen, we should pursue this, that we are continually filled with the Spirit. I find it interesting, the link that Paul makes he says, be filled with the Spirit. But before that, he says, don't be drunk with wine. We understand that to be drunk, again, it's not just a one-time thing. You don't get drunk once and then that's it, you're drunk forever. You must continue to start sipping that stuff. Come on now. Don't look at me all like you've never done that before. Come on now. I know the, the blood of Jesus washes white as snow. But there was a time before where some of you had to get picked up off the floor. Come on now. But I find it interesting the link between the two because he's saying don't be drunk or don't in, in order to continue to be drunk it is something you must continue to continue to sip on continue to go and then you sober up you continue to sip on so what he's saying is on contrast be filled continue to be filled with the spirit of God and let him continue to come into your life we need to continually submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit continually submit ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit and when we talk about that, we understand two elements when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and that is wind and fire. If we took a look at the first element, first of all, wind, this, signif or this signifies the power of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about wind. Think about the power that it has. Think about naturally, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a, a kind of windstorm before. I remember in Derby, there was a, like a storm that came through. I almost was blown off my feet. And this is a time I was a little bit heavier as well. I'm thinking, man, this must be some serious wind to blow me off my feet. So, but think about the powers able to do that. If we think about Noah and the ark, we understood he built an ark and he sent him on the water and he was there. But after 150 days on, on the water, the time came where God wanted to deliver Noah and he, the water subdued how? When he sent a great wind to subdue the waters. Think about the power it has to subdue things once he was trapped by water. But the wind, the power of the Spirit was able to move away and subdue the problems that caused him to be trapped. 
Think about the children of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness, had no meat to eat, and it was the wind that brought the quail to them. It was the wind that was able to provide them things that they would not be able to provide on their own. Think about Elijah when he was running from Jezebel. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 11, the Bible says, Then he said, Go out and stand. This is God speaking to Elijah. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. Here we see the wind has a power to remove mountains. The wind has a power to break down rock, break down barriers that were causing issues. The wind has the power to destroy them. The wind has a power to bring back dead things to life. We can see the prophet Ezekiel when God speaks to him, brings him up to the valley of dry bones. In Ezekiel 37 verse number 9, the Bible says, And he said to me, prophesy the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on this slain that they may live. What is dead in your life that needs to be revived? Let the Holy Spirit bring the wind. Maybe it's the conscience you've had that's dead. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's uh, your work. Listen, let the Holy Spirit bring the wind to bring back to life that which was dead. The wind has the power to do that. The other element is talking about a fire, of course. Uh, Think about fire. I love that the Bible describes God's presence as fire. I love that the Bible describes when he is around fire. I love that the Bible describes that God answers by fire. He's described as a consuming fire. And the thing about fire is that it transforms. Fire is transformational. Think about you have a book or something and you you put water on it. Well, the book will become wet. You put oil on it, the book will become oily. But you light that book on fire, that book will completely transform. Can you say amen in this place? It won't stay the same. So when you talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit, fire transforms. So when you allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, your life will be completely transformed. Your witness will be completely transformed. Oh, when people look at you, they would see a difference because you are no longer the same. The fire will burn off the dry and leave the purified material that God wants you to be. The fire is something that is transformational. Now we've said all these things, we've said all the things we spoke about in the last five weeks for us to be hungry. We need to be hungry. I'm going to look at Jeremiah 29 and verse number 13. The Bible says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is something, church, we need to do continually. And the reason I spoke about the the Holy Spirit over these couple of weeks is because I want there to be an honest comparison. I want us to take stock of our life. Have a look at how we function. Have a look at how we come in the presence of God. How we look, have a look at how we witness and how we go through life. And let there be an honest comparison with the works that you see of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God and the works of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
We should look at the Holy Spirit, see the entrance of the Holy Spirit, see the power that He has, see the direction He's able to direct people, see the guidance, see the things, the the wonders, and then have a look at our life and say, do I have that? Does the Holy Spirit come upon me like that? Can he live in me? Can he control? Now listen, we have to understand there is a measure of the Spirit. Now, it's interesting when Paul says, be filled. You can't run away from that because we have to understand the Spirit of God. Yes, he's the one that convicted us in the first place so that we can become saved. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about, listen, anybody that doesn't have the Spirit of God is not Christ. So we understand there is a Holy Spirit that brought us to salvation. Yes, there's a process, but we also have to understand there is an event where we are completely filled with the Spirit and ourselves. We pushed out our own ego. We pushed out all the nonsense. And we've allowed God to literally cover us and clothe us. We've allowed him to indwell inside of us. We've allowed him to take the steering wheel of our life. And then and only then can we do what God has called us to do. Then and only then can we be effective in what he's called us to do. We need to understand this. Because how many know without the spirit of God, then we're not a vacuum listen some other spirit will come and dwell in us can you say amen in this place and in the day and age that we live in right now we need the spirit to guide us because there's going to be a time where there'll be spirits that will be coming to try and deceive us and try us try to take us in a direction away from the will of God to the point where we'll start to say things and do things which is just a little bit weird um, someone once said to me that, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the church of Christ is sick. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I kind of hear that because there is a lot. If you, all you've got to do is, is you just, just switch on YouTube, for example, and you see there's a lot of uh, uh, odd things going on uh, under the guise and under the banner of Christianity. And there I say people that used to, maybe they used to function under the unction of the Holy Spirit, uh, now function under some other spirit. And now we're functioning where we're trying to uh, uh, manipulate or we're trying to be like the world. But my Bible says uh, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And as we try and look at what is portrayed as the body of Christ out there, we start to see uh, that the spirit uh, is no longer moving in certain aspects where people start to act and behave just like the world. Listen, I want to say uh, that the spirit, when he gets uh, to moving, uh, it is completely different to how the world functions. Uh, It is completely transformational to how the world uh, moves. uh, And we need to hang on uh, and hold on to the spirit of God even if it looks weird even if it looks odd even if people say this is not quite right not quite right what you are doing is 
understandable. Listen, I want to say we need to fight and we need to be eager in our determination to be controlled by the Spirit, to be filled by the Spirit so that we can function and walk in the Spirit. It is something we need to do continually. It's something we need to do every day that we wake up. Listen, I don't think I've scratched the surface with my relationship with God yet. I've only seen a small bit of what God can do. How many know when you serve God, there's always more? Can, can you say amen in this place? When you serve God, we've only seen a small part of what He can do. We want to see great and mighty things. And church, we haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen what God can do. So join us as we continue to pursue God, as we continue to chase after God, so the Spirit of Jesus Christ can firmly be in our hearts, in this congregation. Listen, I would to God that every service we come here, the Holy Spirit would speak a word in season. I would to God that the Holy Spirit would come and touch every heart that comes in this place, that when you leave, you experience something completely different. Even if you don't respond to yourself, you would have experienced something that is transformational. That is my heart and that is what I'm contending for. Church, we need to function like that. Whenever we do anything, the most integral part is the power of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus left his earthly ministry, he left with something greater and allowed the helper to come in and function until the end of the age. The helper, the comforter, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. Listen, I want us to compare our lives Compare our lives to what we see in the Word of God and let's contend for that. Let God move in our lives supernaturally so that whatever we do can be fueled by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Who's going to contend with me these next weeks and months to see the power of the Holy Spirit move in their life? Come on, let's give Him praise in this place. Let's worship God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in this place. The power of Pentecost. God... God wants to move with a power just like he did on the day of Pentecost.